Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm Alexander Boliba, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is Editor-in-Chief Amy Kluber. Hi, Amy. Hey, Alex. You had the opportunity to chat with Wayne Jacobs, special agent in charge of the Criminal and Cyber Division of the FBI's D.C. field office. How'd it go? It was awesome. Wayne is so interesting. So I actually heard him speak at an event um, a couple months ago at this point, and he was talking about kind of the 5G challenges, um, how the the Bureau is thinking about 5G, but you know him being in charge of the criminal and cyber division, I was really interested in digging more into how he's seeing technology really impact that space. So I brought him onto the show. Yeah, that's such an interesting connection, the FBI and 5G. It's not something I would immediately think that they were paying particular attention to. It's very critical when you're thinking about how many partnerships they have in the entire law enforcement realm. So the number of different touch points they have with other agencies and then other coordinating bodies like local law enforcement, their field agents need to be plugged in all the time and they need that data quickly. They need to be able to share it. They need to be able to be in touch with everybody So that's kind of like what I was interested in was how is he seeing the importance of, you know, data sharing and modern technology in his operations, but also how is that impacting the cybersecurity conversation? Right. That really reminds me of all of the coverage we've had recently regarding similar efforts in the Air Force and other branches of the military of just keeping that connection It's almost like 5G is an issue that touches every agency. Oh, definitely. For sure. And FBI, they're going through some modernization right now. They're trying to implement their own cyber group internally, and they're really going to be coming out with a lot more opportunities for industry to get involved. So they're looking at things like broad agency announcements and um, other things for not just 5G, but other modern technologies coming down the pipeline. So he touched on that a little bit. And, um, you know, me being a legal buff myself, I kind of got to dig into that a little bit as far as how he views the criminal side of cybersecurity. You've been on quite a run of, um, I guess, legal buff (laughs) interviews. I'm thinking about the chat you had with Keith Sonderling from uh, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. It's just so funny to... uh, connect all these topics and speakers that we have. It can seem a little uh, disparate at times, but ultimately it really seems like we're revisiting a lot of the same topics and concerns across all of government. For sure. And if we wanted to spin off a new show, Legal Cast or something, I'm all for it. Let's do it. This is where I add in like the law and order, like dun dun. Dun dun. How do you say that? (laughs) Well, with all of that in mind, let's take a listen to your interview. Welcome to GovCast. I'm Amy Kluber, and I'm here with Wayne Jacobs. He's special agent in charge of FBI's criminal and cyber division. So great to have you, Wayne. Thank you, Amy, for having me. Appreciate it. So I understand you're rather new in your current role but not necessarily to the Bureau. 
So what brought you to the agency to begin with and its mission? Yeah, so this is um, the start of year 20 for me in the organization. I would say that what initially drew me to the FBI was its uh, violent crime mission. Um, had real passion, uh, still do for, for that work. But ultimately, as I, I, I got exposed to more uh, of the Bureau and its work, I, I really developed a keen interest in our national security mission. Uh, I talk about my time in my job previous to this one uh, at FBI headquarters, where I was in the counterintelligence division, uh, helping stand up our national counterintelligence task force. Uh, but then ultimately landing in this job uh, approximately 18, 19 months ago, uh, and then also having cyber be part of my portfolio here. Uh, I look at cyber as having two components to it, um, certainly a criminal aspect, but what is, is really sort of fascinating and interesting to me is, is the national security component uh, to our cyber uh, work here at the Washington Field Office. Fantastic. Especially in this day and age, cyber is, has such a huge impact or I guess um, evolution that we're tracking. So it's an incredibly important mission there as well. So can you talk through what some of your, I guess, priorities are for this year for the criminal and cyber division and what that is looking like? Yeah, so certainly two buckets for us, right? Uh, on the criminal side uh, and then on the cyber being two distinct uh, responsibilities. First on the criminal side, you know, we're focused on, I'd say, three things. One, uh, we've seen an explosion of, of folks who've abused the Paycheck Protection Program, so the PPP loans, uh, so the, the fraud that, that sort of stemmed from uh, the distribution of those loans uh, is certainly an area of focus for us. Uh, second area would be, back in 2001, the Department of Justice launched uh, a crimes initiative, uh, and that was really just in the wake of uh, increase and hate crimes being reported. Uh, and so we wanted to reaffirm our commitment uh, to aggressively pursuing these matters. Uh, so that uh, continues to be a focus area uh, for us here at the Washington Field Office, but across the Bureau as unfortunately uh, hate crimes have continued uh, to increase. And then certainly violent crime, right? Um, it, it doesn't take much for folks to sort of be exposed to uh, news reporting about you know, violent crime rising across major metropolitan cities. That continues to be an area of focus uh, for us as well and supporting and supplementing our state and local partners as, as, as they're you know, focused on, on that activity. And then on the cyber uh, side of things, I would say you know, uh, two buckets there as well. One is your sophisticated crime, uh, cyber criminal actors. Um, who are launching disruptive attacks or uh, also launching financially motivated uh, attacks as well. And then uh, nation state actors, right, who are uh, pursuing the economic and national security interests of their respective governments. Fantastic. I know you mentioned cyber attacks and cyber overall as one of your priorities. And you've mentioned in the past that law enforcement um, struggles to find the right targets to pursue oftentimes. How do you see overcoming sure. this challenge, especially in today's tech environment? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the keys there, and you'll probably hear me talk about it uh, throughout this discussion is, is partnership, right? Partnership certainly sits at the foundation of uh, law enforcement's work and obviously the, the Bureau's work by extension. And so I, I would look at that and again, a, a few different uh, components. One is sort of our, our logical partners in the space, 
think about the uh, Department of Homeland Security, CISA, Department of Defense, uh, but then um, perhaps most importantly is our partnership with the private sector. Um, so every FBI field office has a cyber task force whose uh, charge and mission is to go out and develop relationships with uh, systemically important companies, um, those companies that are either directly or indirectly supporting uh, critical infrastructure, developing and developing relationships with them uh, such that we're sharing intelligence, but also to giving those companies an understanding of what our capabilities are by way of uh, threat hunting and, and ultimately incident response. And then I think beyond that, you think about the entities that are engaged in intelligence uh, collection and uh, dissemination, right? You think about the Microsoft mystics of the world, um, the incident response firms, Mandy and CrowdStrike, what have you, and our relationship with them, understanding the trends, you know, by way of the most recent uh, tactics and, and, and protocols that uh, sophisticated actors are leveraging against private sector uh, you know, companies. And then the, the last piece there, I would say, and this is becoming uh, an increasing phenomenon, is our international partners, right? Certainly think about cyber as a global phenomenon. And so uh, our ability to connect uh, with international partners, um, take advantage of folks who are leveraging foreign infrastructure to facilitate their attacks, um, again, sharing intelligence, uh, holding folks accountable, even when they don't sit within our shores, certainly critically important to uh, the purest work in the cyber landscape. Definitely, um, especially when you're considering such a global phenomenon, as you called it, um, those partnerships really do matter. And then how you enable or, or make those partnerships feasible is critical. So during your time over your career, kind of talk through how you've seen technology evolve pursuant to the mission and from your perspective, you know, around fraud and violent crime and now cyber, how has that yeah. looked like over time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think pretty simply when I started 20 years ago, you know, much of our lives uh, were not being uh, lived or enjoyed in, in the cyberspace, right, on, on the internet. Uh, and so, you know, as uh, society moved uh, increasing portions of their lives, you know, to, uh, to the cyber domain, and now you think about just about every aspect of your life is uh, in some way uh, online. You know, we've seen uh, criminal actors obviously follow, right? And so once you saw sort of the commodification of data become a thing, uh, that's certainly where you know, criminal actors started to focus their attention, right? And so it was incumbent upon us uh, to recognize that and to, to go where those actors were uh, and then begin to leverage uh, the tools that we have to ultimately hold them accountable. Uh, looking at it from the fraud you know, aspect of things, you know, I think we've seen you know, increasing sophistication uh, of fraud actors in leveraging technology to give themselves more bona fides, credibility as they're leveraging their fraud schemes. In the violent crime arena, you know, I think there's just been, uh, you know, amplification of disputes. It was years, you know, years ago, uh, disputes that were percolating, you know, in public were resolved simply by people either walking away or, or being difficult find now with social media being a constant thing, uh, those disputes just not sort of resolving themselves uh, in, in a logical manner. And then, uh, you know, looking at, at cybercrime, I think what you've seen is a couple of things. One is 
you know, a broadening of the attack surface, right? So as I mentioned, um, a lot of people's lives are now existing on the internet. Uh, as you think about uh, other devices now, uh, wearables, uh, internet of things that are also now connecting, these are now opportunities for cyber actors to exploit, you know, those vulnerabilities associated with those devices. And then, you know, I think the proliferation of actors uh, in, in the cyber ecosystem, uh, criminal actors in the cyber ecosystem. We've certainly seen a democratization of actors leveraging tools and, you know, platforms and services to take advantage of what we call criminal services, cyber criminal services, to facilitate uh, malicious cyber activity. Right. Uh, that's really interesting because, um, you know, you mentioned the amplification, I, I think is how you worded it, of certain activities with social media, living on the internet, et cetera, et cetera. You would think, I guess, fighting this crime could be easier, if you will, because there's sure. more evidence, if that's the way to put it, out there. On the other hand, there's more touch points that you have to keep track of. And it's almost like the internet digital doesn't really exist. You know, you don't see it, but it's there and it's like hiding almost. So it's kind of interesting to think about. It's actually not easier. It's harder. Yeah, I, I think in some ways it certainly is more difficult to, to keep track of all of it. Uh, it certainly forces us to make sure that we're focused on the most significant and prolific actors uh, in the space. And so, you know, we have to think about what our priorities are and again, focusing on those most sophisticated and prolific uh, actors in the space. And we certainly do have resources, as I mentioned, you know, the partnerships that we enjoy in the private sector, we're seeing, you know, the activities uh, that are being leveraged. And then we also have, um, you know, our own sort of human sources, right, who are reporting on things that they're seeing in the platforms and spaces that, uh, you know, that they're either, you know, working in or just, you know, out, you know, enjoying, uh, you know, their lives in the digital landscape. And reporting back to us on things they're seeing uh, that may be uh, you know, an indication of criminal activity. Right. Really interesting. So along that thread, you know, with technology constantly evolving, cyber also evolves. This you mentioned the cyber landscape grows and expands. So how do you consider adversaries kind of taking advantage of this to their benefit? And how do you ensure agents are keeping up with that fast pace of change? Yeah, again, I think, as I mentioned, you know, one adversary is taking advantage of increasing, you know, landscape for them to leverage uh, criminal activity. Uh, and that's through the Internet of Things, um, but then also to their, their ability to uh, leverage their attacks, right? Uh, so I mentioned um, this whole idea of cybercrime as a service, right? So folks who don't even have a tremendous amount of technical expertise can go out into platforms and uh, secure uh, all the tools necessary to leverage a cyber attack, whether that's, again, for disruptive purposes or for uh, financially motivated uh, gain. For us, it means that, you know, we, we have to adapt and evolve, right? And so I, I think about a couple efforts there. One is, again, leveraging the, the, the partnerships that are sharing intelligence with us. Um, second is, is training. You know, We've invested significantly in uh, the FBI's uh, Innovation Center, which is down in Huntsville, uh, Alabama. Uh, and this is a facility facility that has 
uh, a cyber kinetic range where we're able to um, you know, better understand the threats that we're facing, work through what our responses would look like, and just really you know, put people in environments where, again, they can increase their readiness to think about what cybersecurity looks like. Uh, and then I think the final piece there is, you know, the FBI uh, is fortunate to hire some wonderfully talented people from disciplines uh, that have a, a, a sort of a more recent and nuanced understanding of what's happening in the cyber landscape. And so integrating those folks into our workforce um, certainly helps us uh, stay on top of and uh, ultimately, I think, ahead of the threat. Uh, and I would certainly be remiss if I, if I didn't mention specifically not just the agents in the organization, but I think more importantly uh, these days, you know, those folks who are computer scientists, data analysts, people who are helping us make sense of the large data sets out there and uh, all the information that's coming to us from different sources, helping us triage and prioritize um, where our efforts uh, should be. Fantastic. So kind of looking ahead and more about you know, how that those partnerships play out with, you know, Justice Department or law enforcement branches. How are you seeing like emerging technologies? What about them excite you the most? Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's a number of tools out there. Certainly talk about AI and, and the promise and perhaps a bit of the peril that, that AI will, will ultimately present. But, you know, I, I look at the tools that, you know, the private sector is, is currently developing and our ability hopefully ingest some of those tools. You know, obviously there are certain sensitivities about the federal government ingesting, uh, you know, tools that, you know, are, are not respectful of, of people's civil, civil liberties. Um, but there, there certainly are tools out there that help us get smarter and more efficient with us making decisions about where we're deploying our resources to, again, stay out of the threat. I think we certainly believe that uh, everyone has a, a piece of information or technology out there that helps us as the federal government get better at what we do. And, you know, it is the layering of those tools, uh, the exploitation of that data uh, that, again, helps us um, you know, stay ahead of the emerging trends and threats within the cyber landscape. Fantastic. Well, Wayne, this was kind of a, a great look into some of the things going on in the criminal cyber division at FBI and really exciting to hear about, I guess, technology's place in some of all these fascinating missions. So this has been a great conversation and I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Amy. That was a great interview. Before we let our listeners go, are there any last thoughts or takeaways that you want to leave our audience with? So something he did say in the interview, which I do want to call attention to again, is just reminding everyone how difficult it is for law enforcement to sometimes find the right targets to pursue and then how they're thinking about technology in order to help them with that. So I feel like that's kind of like an underlying theme for the Bureau and for the tech opportunities that are out there and coming down the pipeline. Thank you, Amy. 
Listeners can tune in next week for a brand new GovCast. But until then, if you like what you heard, please leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice and a five-star rating as well. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Amy Kluber. Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.